This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes a friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. Mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of law. Well, welcome everybody to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and I'm joined today by J.M.D. Mateus. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. I yeah, think. It has. Uh, it? Over yeah. a year, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel like it. it. It's funny. Whenever we have any like particularly special guests and uh, I look back, it's always been a year or more, and I go, right. man, it doesn't feel like it at all. We got we to gotta do this again. Although I have to say time right now in the world that we're living in, you know, as a freelancer, time is always distorted for me anyway. Right. Uh, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to tell what day of the week it is. But now it's just like, I keep saying, it feels like we're living in like in the middle of a bowl of jello, you know? And everything, <laughs> is, we're all just kind of moving like this through this bowl of jello here. And, now yeah. I, and I'm forgetting for sometimes from hour to hour now, what day is today? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, that, that, that has been my life for the last uh, four or five years now of, of I don't know what day it is, but now everyone yeah. gets to enjoy in our, right. uh, our right. collective understanding of time. I've described it as basically being like one, one month long week. You know, like each yeah. month is like a week yeah. where it's like, is it Thursday yet? And it's like, it's been Thursday three times. <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, when my kids were in school, it was like, I would, okay, I know I have to drive them to school or I have to pick my daughter up or take Milestones. her Milestones, yeah. And, you know, they, they moved out. So then, all right, my wife's going to work. <laughs> and so I, I have a general idea now that it's a weekday, but I don't have anything specific. In my, and now she's working from home, so it's all collapsed completely. Yes. So I have no idea. Now it's like, I, I gotta I, get this. I, I know it's a Thursday because we agreed to talk on a Thursday. It is Thursday, right? I think today is actually Wednesday. <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. I have no idea what day it is. No, I, I, and I only know it's Wednesday because I scheduled this with you like a month ago. <laughs> so we like, we picked Wednesday. And so I'm like, I know Wednesday. So every, every Tuesday, I'm like, oh shit, is it Wednesday yet? I got to make it. Right. right. I'm just sitting in the Zoom I've meeting. I've done Wednesday. that. I've done that where like I've had a meeting with somebody and I'm like, oh, I better get ready, you know, because you have to be home. So you got to clean up a little. Exactly. You know? yeah, yeah, and totally. then it's like, oh, wait, that's not today. <laughs> damn it i gotta do this all again that's right i have to i have to have to take another shower this right. week I can can't i preserve this and just extend it right. to the next day right yeah <laughs> but uh jam uh what, what's been going on man what's what's been going on lately i know that you've been uh you've been busy i mean as a freelancer you constantly have to keep yourself busy yeah yeah you know but uh yeah the stuff i'm working on now is basically stuff i can't talk about fair enough so we can talk about things that are out now right like right. Superman, Red Sun, the animated movie. Yes. Um, or the, Death, the Deathstroke animated series or some comic book stuff that's out there. But tell you. Pick, pick one. I'll talk about anything. Well, let, you know, let, let's start with the animated stuff because so many people, because okay. well, people have been celebrating J.M.D. Mateus for decades. This yes, they're often right. cel wherever I go. They're celebrating. It's they're just, an amazing. Yeah, they're in the streets. They got banners. It just, is. Like, I know. It's the confetti gets really tiresome after a while. I you know, it's you. funny. I gotta say though. You know, we we mock, but someone built what was that? That full scale, not no triple scale model of that Craven's last hunt. Oh, with, with the figure coming out of the grave. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. That that is that is not unlike a monument. 
Yes, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But it's more monuments. But when they when they start building statues to me, we'll have another conversation. <laughs> and I think that conversation will be long and coming. It, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, Deathstroke. Can you talk a little bit about the formation of this series and like where your involvement came in and and, and yeah, all of that? Yeah, sure. I had um, I'd done a previous series for CWC, so I always have to explain CWC to people right, first exactly. of all, because um, there's the CW network that we all know, um, where you were, everyone's watching Supergirl or The Flash or those shows. Right. But then they have a streaming platform called CWC. Now CWC has a lot of previously existing material, but they also do original material, and they've done a bunch of DC animated things. So um, the one I did before was called Constantine City of Demons, which yes. uh, I loved. It was one of my favorite, favorite animated projects ever. And, uh, and so they called me up again. So I have to also have to explain the way it's done. Right. Because, and, they, and they keep changing it up, too. The idea is I, I write a full-length movie, basically. I write a script for a full-length movie. They, they then <clears throat> break that up into mini-episodes, usually like five- to seven-minute episodes. Right. But what they did this time with, with uh, Deathstroke is they just put the first like 35 minutes out, yeah. like in one big chunk. So I was like, you know, we spent so much time talking about what, what How do you to... think the episodes will be? And suddenly there's 35 minutes of it out there. But maybe the response from people was they'd rather have a big chunk than these little mini episodes. That's fair. So they put up the, the first half of it went up on seed a few months back. From what I've, I've heard, and I'm often the last one to know, so don't quote me. I think within the next couple of months, you'll probably see the other half of this. Oh, okay. And then there will be a, a DVD slash Blu-ray slash streaming release of a full-length movie, which will have 15 or 20 more minutes than the CWC version will have. Oh, cool. So, so the people that go out and, 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 and stream the movie or buy the, buy the Blu-ray are going to get extra, extra story. So that's the thing, too. Also, we sit down and we figure out what can we leave out, what can we keep in, Will the story still play if we take out that scene? That kind of stuff. Right. And it usually, it works out pretty well. So that's the basics of it. Okay. Um, you know, and as for the story, um, you know, it's not based on any pre-existing Deathstroke story. It is based on pre-existing Deathstroke mythology. Sure. And, you know, basically, you know, I know Deathstroke from years ago from Teen Titans, but I'm, he's not one of those characters that I knew inside and out. Some characters, you know, say Spider-Man to me, and I'll tell you everything you want to know. Uh, Deathstroke, I didn't have that same knowledge, so they sent me a bunch of material to read um, from Marv, Marv's early stuff to more recent stories. <clears throat> and uh, I kind of went, well, that's an interesting element. And, well, that's an interesting element, and that's kind of intriguing. And from those little intriguing elements that I pulled out of different story, uh, stories, I built a whole new story around it. But it's really, to me, the most fascinating thing, and I, I really, really came to really like the character as I was writing this, um, is the family dynamic, right. you know? So this is really the way this, this particular version plays. And, you know, it, it exists pretty much in its own universe. It's not part of the, you know, the TV DC universe or anything. It's its own, it's its own thing. Sure. It, it, until they tell me different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and uh, it's really sort of the, this almost, the, the, the family drama is like this almost Shakespearean tale of a completely dysfunctional family you know, torn apart by divorce, kids that, you know, kids that are traumatized by these events, and they all happen to have superpowers. You know? Exactly. So, <laughs> so it elevates it up there. And then the other level is, that, you know, because of the, the nature of Deathstroke's character, it's, it's an almost uh, James Bondian globe-hopping adventure at the right. same time. 
Yeah, he lends so, himself to that kind of format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they got Michael Chiklis as Deathstroke. Yeah. Uh, for amazing casting. Great casting. It's, it's amazing. Of course, in the field of animation, you get to pick only the right voice for the job. You don't have to worry about the type, the physical, the physicality. Right. Who can right. embody the voice, of the character best. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've said this many times before, but I'm always astonished by the quality of the voice acting in these things. Yeah. So good. Just so good. I had the same experience with, with uh, Constantine or with Red Sun. It's yeah. Out now. They got Jason Isaacs to be Superman. When they said Jason Isaacs, my head exploded. <laughs> what a brilliant actor to get Absolutely. him to be Superman. It's just, uh, it's just, but that's across the board. Yeah. You know, these things are so well cast. And it's not like we're doing cartoon acting now. I mean, these guys are like, they're giving really wonderful performances. And yeah. I'm always, always so impressed by that. Well, Warners has always been kind of a good leader in the field of kind of like mature animation, particularly yeah. over the last 20 years or so. I mean, they yeah. set the standard with the Batman show and with Justice League and all that. And so, you know, if, if they were to go kitty, I mean, you, you've seen it. It, it. They do it with like that. They had the Justice League action show. They had the- And yeah, T-Titans go, T-Titans yeah. Go, mm-hmm. you like, but they all kind of embody their own roles. And so, you know, there's room for it all. Right, right. Right, you've, um, exactly. you've undoubtedly been uh, at least aware of the DC Universe uh, streaming service and how they have all those other shows that are dedicated to that. I'm waiting yeah. for your involvement in, in more of those, but, uh, you know. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, I'm sure all these animated things, I have a feeling, I don't have a subscription, I've said this before, <laughs> and I'll say it again. Hey, DC, I don't have a subscription to DC Universe. If anybody I should have one. love to have one. I have a feeling that, like, you know, half the, or more of the animated things that I've written are all on there. You know? They are, indeed. Not to mention, the, they have comics, too, right? You have access they to They do, comics? indeed. Yeah. And, and by the way, so. kind of, like, amazing stats right now. I think, like, 53% went up of uh, reading comics on that app recently. It was just a- Really? Yeah. Well, that's apparently. great. Digital's, digital's up, at least with, when, when it turns out if you give people access to comics, they'll just right. read them. Right, right. And that's all, I think that's what we all thought digital was gonna do right away. Big time. And, and but maybe this is a good venue. Yeah. Because they're coming there for the, for the, uh, for the TV and the movie stuff. And then they'll do they'll sample the comics and maybe that will suck them in. That's the thing. It's it's the it's the flawless integration where like you could cons- whereas you know when we talk about like when they make those movies like a Marvel movie you know there's no place for them to go to get a comic. Right. Uh, right. You know they ha- you have to you have to trust that their enthusiasm is so strong that after the high of the movie they'll get in their car they'll drive to the local comic book store and then they'll navigate the maze that is a comic shop which I love but. You know, there it should be like a little comic book kiosk in the movie lobby. You know, people walk out of the movie and they can go buy comics right there in the lobby. I think it'd be a great thing. Yeah, at the very least, comic shops. What they could do is they just get like an ice cream truck and they go to that's the movie theater. Idea. Like that's <laughs> a great idea. No, it really is a great idea. I, I, I'm just you know spitballing, but like, but barring that, the the option of you have a dedicated app that's about DC. You watch a movie mm-hmm. or show, and then it says like on the screen. You could just chain your experience. You go from this to this to this, and that the other, like you know, the the stage two or three could be, you know, Marv Wolfman's Titans. Right, right. And, and you're yeah. ready to go. Yeah, yeah. But I'm. Uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's always been asto- it's been astonishing me in these recent years as we see these these movies and TV shows so hugely successful. Yes. You know why isn't there an Avengers comic book selling two million copies a month? Exactly. You know, or Iron Man, or any of these things. Really. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just barrier to entry. I think it's just the fact yeah. that if you give yeah. people an option, they'll take it. But barring any options, 
they just choose nothing or if or too many options that's the other thing yeah you you get too much too much choice is is the same thing as giving them no choice i think right and then you know of course the flip side is this this concept that i can love superheroes and go to well back when we can go to the movies back in the old days yeah go to the movies (laughs) practically you know once a month or twice a month and see a new superhero movie come home turn on my tv and have a choice of endless you know, animated and live action superhero series, yeah. and then go get out my video game console and play superhero video games. That's right. So where do the comics fit in with that? That's why I think I've seen, you know, it, as we all seen in recent years, attendance at conventions keeps exploding. True. Right? It's comic book sales don't keep exploding in any way to catch up with that. No. Because so many of these people are people that love these characters from movies and TV. And I bet you half the people, at, at least at these big conventions, or people that are fans from from movies and TV, not from the comics. Yeah, yeah. And and again, it's just, it's the, well, you know how it is. Like when you try to get anyone to read anything, particularly as a writer, I mean, when you were first starting out, I'm sure you, when you were like, read my thing, it was just like pulling teeth. It was just constantly like, you're just trying to put something in someone's hands and getting them to right. look at it. The, right. the option of giving anyone a book, anytime you give a recommendation for a book. Hey, you should read this. Oh yeah, I'll get I'll get around to it. That's never right. gonna happen. Right, right. Let alone if it's someone that doesn't read comics and you're handing them a comic book. And you know, there's the other question where there are a lot of people that aren't comics literate in the sense that they honestly don't know when they look at that page where to look. Yeah. They don't know how to go from balloon to balloon and panel to panel. And yeah. it's confusing. It's kind of like comic book dyslexia right. in a way, you know? That's um, true. So there's that element as well. I remember yeah. years ago, uh, uh, Andy Helfer, when he was doing uh, uh, pr- the, the Piranha Press books, and that what, what did it become after Piranha that we did? Uh, oh, you know what? I happen to have a cup. I'm resting my <laughs> I'm resting my computer on a copy of Brooklyn, oh, but that was now that's the IDW version. Ah. <laughs> anyway, Paradox Press. That's what there it was. There you go. Okay. You know, and he wanted those books to be in term not in terms of story, but in terms of approachability, simpler, yes. because he used to talk about the fact that civilians don't know how to read comics. And it's a really good point. And Andy was always ahead of the curve on these kind of things. Um, but, but it was a really uh, smart thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't. They just don't. Yeah. Although I find that I think, and this is, of course, we're going back further than, th- than this because I don't know what the world of the Sunday comics strip is like right. today. Because uh, I just simply don't have a newspaper. But right. back in the day, you conditioned your average family household to be accustomed to reading the news, which is very important, but also to be accustomed to reading, you know, to have an option, to have something for you. The funnies are literally created just so like dad can read this, mom can read this, and the kid can read this. Right. And, but reading the comics in the newspaper, I think trains your brain as a young, you know, mind to know how the format works, particularly if you're talking about like- But it's a, very, it's a much format. simpler format. It is you much know, simpler, it's, yeah. it's very easy to follow. There's a couple of balloons in each panel. True. Maybe one caption, and it's not all that fancy stuff that we were, we're all used to. Now, you know, I, as a kid growing up, had a host of learning disabilities and really struggled in school, but I, I, I could always read a comic book, you know? Right. It was never a problem for me. That, that particular language, my brain understood. Yeah. Um, whereas other things I really struggled with uh, as a kid. Uh, and other people just, you know, to this day, if my wife wants to read one of my stories, I got to hang around <laughs> and go, no, no, you read that balloon over there next. You know? Right. Um, because she just doesn't have that language. It's not yeah. part of her, it's not part of her, her skill set or the, it's not the way her brain is wired. I talk in my workshops sometimes in general in a more general way 
just about those of us that love comics and why. It, you know, there's something, it's just, it's, it's almost like uh, a chemical addiction or something. It's like, there's something about that combination of words and pictures that when we are kids, I imagine this little chemical drops in our brain mm -hmm. and we get this rush and we are hooked forever on this combination of words and pictures and other people will look at that page and that chemical doesn't drop. That's right. You know, and it was always there for me from the first time I saw a comic book, that was it. I was in love and, and it was magical. But there's, there is, there's just something in the way we're wired. I guess it's like anything else in life. There are certain things we, we respond to certain, yep. certain things we don't. And those, and I think that's why people in comics are so passionate because it is, it's like, it's like, you know, some dopamine effect or something. It's like yeah. words, pictures. Oh, you know. that's, that's actually, that's, that's penetratingly insightful. I had never considered the idea of it having like a visceral chemical, like kind of like, like a physical reaction. Yeah. Um, and yet you see its effect. And if you think of it, I mean, you've heard comics likened to drugs where it's like, oh, the first one's free and then you got to right. keep and you got to pay right. and right. becoming right. addicted. And you, you people who read comics where it's like, I hate this comic. Well, why have you bought every issue? Like, why are you still buying it? If you hate it so much, well, I got to, well, well, I don't, I don't know any other way. And it's just right. like this, con right. but it feels right. like a, right. like a kind of compulsion. And yeah. I never thought to liken it to like just that, 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 you know, that aha moment where once you're introduced to it, I know, yeah, yeah. and I, I can almost remember like that moment happening for me as a kid being like, this is a thing I'm, I'm drawn to and will be forever. You know, what kind of underscores that for me, if I pull out like an old comic, yes. one that I read when I was a kid and you look at that cover and I always say it's like time travel. It's like something happens in my brain and I am viewing it through the eyes of the person I was then. And I'm like in this cocoon of that, magical feeling that I had as a kid. And it is, it's like an altered state. Yes. And I, and I think, you know, story in general does that for people. Totally. Story brings us into an altered state that in some way, for me anyway, is more real than so-called reality. Right. So I think great storytelling, just like great music, any great art puts us in some sort of altered state of mind. And those of us that love comics, it really does. It just, that chemical drops in. And, and I think it goes to what you're saying well, maybe I don't like this run by this particular writer and artist team, but it's still a character I love and it's that magical combination of words and pictures. Yep. And, and so I'll complain about it while I'm reading it, but I'm going <laughs> to keep reading it. You know? Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. I, I, I love that, con that, that, that observation because, <clears throat> pardon me, allergies are, I don't know if you're on the East Coast, but it is yeah. horrible yeah. here. Yeah. Um, but uh, yet for me, like classic, like Dick Sprang Batman covers and everything like that, like I'll just look at those and boom, I'm... Like yeah. I'm a child. I can uh, just look at covers. I don't need, sometimes I don't want to even look at the story. I can just stare at old covers, like old Kirby covers or something. Oh, like, yeah. Or Dick Sprang. I love Dick Sprang. Oh my right? God. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Old covers. Yeah. The old, uh, I, I, my, I remember my mom once gave me a book from the library. It was this big, thick Batman from the thirties to the sixties. Mm -hmm. And it just has a collection of stories and it, and covers and stuff like that. And it's just, that was my first introduction to Batman. And I'm like, I, I've never seen anything like it. And that kind of imagery stays with you and and then yeah. of course you, you you become attached to it and kind of like addicted to it and you want more and of course as you evolve as batman evolved kind of like your sensibilities evolve too because of course where does it end with the neil adams era so right. the, the art is completely different but that particular right. art you know adams will transition you from batman to his run on avengers to all this and and, and it's just yeah it's all connected and it's yeah it's incredible well, that concludes today's interview. And, exactly. Uh, we'll Thank you, you very much. Uh, yeah. Don't forget to check out Creation Point from JMD. <laughs> <laughs>
but uh yeah man so um I, since we kind of started this with uh with animation i guess we'll transition over to red sun because uh people have been waiting for a red sun animated adaptation forever if i could think of one name to do the adaptation it would be yours uh because you are like the king of the animated adaptation at this point i think uh, not to mention, of course, you know, the king of... Like I said, story, I haven't seen the statue yet, so I'm, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I, think we'll, I think we'll have to get to work on that. Get yeah, some brick, yeah. get, get Maybe some just a little stuff. clay figure or an action figure. Where is the J.M.D. Mateus at? Where's that, right, like, where's that right. roster? I got to get a... Anyway, I, right, I, let's, let's get that to reality. But yeah, uh, but, but you were mentioning Jason Isaacs and everything like that. Uh, but yeah. everybody in Superman Red Sun, what, where did that come from? And because, of course, Red Sun is one of those, like, another one of those iconic, like, top 10 Superman stories of all time. Yeah, your, you know, it comes from where it always comes from, which is I get a phone call. It's really you know, just they call you and they go, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I never know when they call me what it's going to be. I really don't. You know, so Jim Creek, who I, a producer there, also a wonderful writer and just a wonderful guy who I love, uh, called me up and said, you know, you want to do Red Sun? And I'm a freelancer. So, you know, the, 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 the answer, unless you're so booked that you can't fit another thing in, there's right. always yes. <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, that's just the way it is. That's the life of a freelancer. So the best advice I can give anybody is just keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I love, I've worked with, I've worked for Warner Brothers Animation, you know, for like, I don't know, 16 years now or more. Yeah. So I love working with those guys. And so this was, you know, Jim Creek and Bruce Timm. So, you know, it doesn't get better than that, working with two guys like that. And, and the truth of the matter is, at that point, I knew Red Sun by its reputation, uh, although I had no clue until this movie came out just how monolithic that reputation was. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't read it. So they sent me a copy, and I read it. And then basically, the process is we get on the phone, and there's a lot of hours on the phone with me and Jim and Bruce, peeling the story apart and putting it back together so that it works in this format as a film yeah. versus, you know, what works on the comic book page is not going to necessarily be what works um, on the screen. Right. And I, I always say the, a great adaptation is not about getting all the details right. A great adaptation is about getting the essence of the story. If you have captured the essence of that story and its intentions, then I think you've done a good job if you could have all the details and get the essence wrong. Right. You know? And so uh, I hope, I hope that we did that with Red Sun. Um, the I'd say so. Been pretty good. Yeah. yeah. What was your read? You, you, since you didn't read it when it came out, um, shame on you, by the way, but, uh, <laughs> but when, what I'm was your busy writing this stuff to read? That, you know, that's, yeah, if anyone cool. has an excuse, it's, it's those who are creating art uh, in, in exchange. But what's, uh, what was your read on it when you first checked it out? Oh, it was, it was amazing, I thought. Because, well, the thing that impressed me the most um, about Mark's story was just, there was so much creativity and imagination on virtually every page. Right. I've said this before, I, uh, and I, and it, it reminded me of Jack Kirby, not stylistically, but in the sense that, you know, you read the Kirby stuff, especially the stuff that Kirby did by himself. Right. And it was just like, you'd open the book and like a hundred ideas would pop off a page and <laughs> yeah. smash you in the face and knock you off your chair. The audacity. Red, Red, Red Sun had a lot of that. They were like, what a cool idea onto the next page. What a cool idea onto the next page. <laughs> so there was so much in it. And that's one of the challenges of adapting the story. What do you keep in? What do you leave out? Right. Uh, how do you, how do you take this, um, this giant mountain and you know carve it into a superman's face that's about this big yeah so, you know <laughs> so you have to carve it down and yet again keep that essence 
And so that was the real challenge of it. And, and it was challenging, but you know, in a good way, you want to be challenged by a project. Totally. And when, you, when, you, when you're starting with a piece of material like that, I think one of the reasons I noticed there was a lot of um, uh, media attention on this out there in the, in the real world media. Yeah. And it wasn't because of anything that I did. It's because of the originals, the concept. You say what the concept of that story is, and people are sold. And they're like, they're interested. Yep. So, you know, it was brilliant what, what, what Mark did with that, because all you had to do is give people a one-liner, <laughs> and they're intrigued. Yes. And suddenly, you know, Time Magazine's talking about Red Sun. Why? Because it's a cool idea. Yeah. Because I'm so brilliant. Because I'm <laughs> so brilliant. Well, it stays because you're brilliant. That's the thing. Like, you could pitch an idea, and it's like, eh, that sounds great. But then if it's, the execution sucks, you never hear about it again. Right. That's true. Well, he had great execution in the story, and hopefully we had excellent I think execution so. in the movie. Because yeah. I'm hearing, like, not only did I, of course, immediately check it out, but also, like, the word of mouth was, because since I'm in the landscape of, like, I talk about things amazing people make, um, people were just constantly, the second, it, I didn't even know when it dropped. I just got bombarded by, did you see it yet? I'm like, I didn't even know it's out yet. I, I just heard about it like a week ago. And then, and, and, and so, you know, you, you buy it, you check it out. And it's like, people are like, well, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, I think it's brilliant. Of course. Like it's the right people making the right thing. Um, and I, I always say, and I have to be really clear about this. Yeah. It's a group effort. It really, really is, you know? So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working very intimately, we'll say on this project with Jim and with Bruce. And then you, of course you have Sam Liu, who's the director, right. A whole other level of skill sets to this and bring, the, the way they bring it alive visually versus what's on the page is extraordinary. Yeah. So I always say I can never take all the praise, nor I could take, take all the blame for that. <laughs> because I am one piece of a, of a much bigger puzzle. But yeah. uh, it's, it's, I really enjoy that. I enjoy having that interaction. Uh, you, know, most of my, you know, most of my time is spent alone in the room. So when I get to spend two hours on the phone with Jim, two hours on the phone with Jim Krieg and Bruce Tim, that's a good day. Yeah. Talking about story, what, what else? What, what, what else is going to make you happy? That's fair. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about this also um, in, in respect to your animation work because I finally caught, like I'd heard about it, but I finally caught it. Uh, and it took me forever to find it, which is a real damn shame like to, uh, on, on Warner's part. But your death short. Did I lose you? Oh. <laughs> oh. The, for the, one second you froze so you were like yeah no you froze too so i was oh, like okay. i just thought i was like i thought i completely screwed up and i'm like oh no <laughs> no you're uh you're you're you're, you're neil gaiman's death short yeah that that's that's on the wonder woman bloodlines dvd yes and um that was another one boy that if I, again one of my favorite animated projects I've ever worked on sam lu who directed red sun is a director on that Yep. The, and that, that, the idea for that story started with Sam and then, then me and Sam and Jim got on the phone. <clears throat> Excuse me, must be my allergies too. <laughs> um, and put the story together from there. And just, it was, it was one of those things where from the, from, the, from the first moment, it was just, it was like a magical project. Uh, what was really fascinating to me was, and if you know the story, it's about a, a struggling artist. I don't want to give too much away. No, because it's you so know, short. You, you say yeah, too much. Over. Yeah, yeah, but but the main character is an artist who is really really struggling to make it in the world. And all of us, the three of us, would get on the phone. It was it was a deeply personal story to each one of us because each one of us had been in the position that this guy was in. Right. So we were all there. Are scenes in that movie? Uh, the the movie. I'll just say the movie opens with him when he's a kid laying on his floor drawing, 
that was my whole childhood. That's where that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's, you know, one of his teachers saying really rude things to him. Well, that was me in high school, you know? Yeah. I, I remember a, a guidance counselor, you know, saying, well, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I don't even want to go into art or writing. So look at these English grades, forget the writing, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we all, everyone who's creative and has, has made a career in this has been through this. So a yep. lot of that deeply personal, stuff went into this went into this short and then of course you're dealing with this wonderful death character and one of the one of the touch points for us was also the twilight zone because it's a, it's a short piece what is it i don't know about 13 minutes or yeah like, like less than 20 certainly yeah somewhere between 13 15 minutes i think i'm never good with remembering how long these things are <laughs> so it was like you know, a little twilight zone episode and that's yeah. that's what i kept thinking of it as you know it's just this beautiful and there's there's no show in the history of television i love more than twilight zone so to get to write a story like this and also to be part of a team that's bringing Neil's death character uh, out of the pages of comics for the first time. No one, I don't think she'd ever appeared in any other media. Nope, you're right. This. So um, it was great. It was great. And again, we got to do it with an original story as opposed to an adaptation, which is always fun. Yeah. But uh, you also hope the same thing, that you are true to the essence of that character in that world. And, and I hope so, because I'm really, really proud of that one too. Um, <sighs> And actually, right now, just to mention, since you're talking about the shorts, yeah. the Justice League uh, Dark movie, the new one, just came out. Apocalypse, yeah. What's it called? Apocalypse, uh, Apocalypse 4, yeah. yeah. And there's an Adam Strange short on there that I wrote as well. Yeah, I, I bought it and I didn't know there was a short, so I just saw the movie and then that was the end of it. But, uh, <laughs> I, I, but I, I had heard you. Oh, you, oh, you bought the download, yeah? Yeah, I bought the download. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it comes with it. If it doesn't, I'll have to hunt for the for the short. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I've I've seen people discussing online. You know, how do I get the short if I bought the download? And apparently, there's some trick somewhere to be, okay purchase the movie <laughs> to somehow get the short. But if you're buying the DVD, you know, the Blu-ray, whatever, then you're right. short on there. See, this is and what I I'm think talking what about. Do, just let me say, I think eventually yeah. what they will do because they just started this whole new round of shorts. Maybe I don't know, six or eight months ago or something. Uh, and so I think they will eventually collect all the shorts together. Oh, okay. Uh, on a, on a, on a oh, on like a disc so or something. Yeah, so you'll be able to get, you know, Death and Adam Strange and what else have they done? Like Sergeant oh, Rock. They've done a bunch of really cool things. They did a, they did a Spectre one that I still have never Spectre, seen. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I saw the Sergeant Rock one, which actually used the creature commandos in it. No kidding. The first thing I ever created in comics. That's amazing. Over my first year in the business, the creature commandos. I love it. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I wonder if the Cubert's had anything to do with that one. They should. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> but these, uh, these shorts are incredible. And the, but it's amazing because of course, like your, in, your, your, your work for them and for, in animation ranges from the 22 minute show to the full length feature to the short. Uh, any preference one way or the other? Or do you just no. kind of go like, it doesn't matter. It's all cool. No, story is story. You know, uh, that's the fun of it. If it's a good story, it, ultimately, it doesn't matter if it's a comic book, if it's a novel, if it's a short, if it's a movie, if it's live action, if it's animated. I just want to tell a good story. Yeah. And, and you know, you have to adapt to each form, obviously. You're not going to, you know, uh, you could have taken that idea for that death short and probably expanded that and written a whole novel. Yeah. But it's not a novel. It's a short. <laughs> you know? and, uh, and, and also with the shorts, if they're 15 minutes, uh, and you think about, what is a half hour show without commercials these days? Maybe 20 minutes. So it's 20, almost like yeah. doing a, a half hour show. Um, but, but, you know, the form, you, you learn the rules of the form and then you filter your story through that. But ultimately you still have to have a great story and that's really where it all begins. Yeah. 
Can you talk a little bit about your uh, your writing seminars and the classes that people can take from you? Because I feel like every time that we sit down and talk, it is like I'm at one and I'm just, I'm stealing from you. So <laughs> like, let's talk about like what people can get out of that experience and, and what, uh, what you offer because I kind of, not, not to put too fine a point on it, but I want to sell some more tickets. Like I want to sell some right. more, some more, is it want to drum up some more mission? Well, in another universe, I just had one two weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> except unfortunately in this universe, we had to cancel it. Um, so I'm actually, uh, actually seriously pondering, trying to figure out a way to bring this online, whether in a shortened version or do like, you know, do, cause it's a, it's a full weekend class. It's called yeah. Imagination 101. And then we do a 201, which is more writing intensive, which is actually four days. So I'm, I'm right now I'm trying to figure out, um, how would I do that online? Maybe we get together once a week for 90 minutes yeah, and do right? it over the course of four or five weeks or something. But yeah, so it's a whole weekend and it's really just peeling apart both from the practical, practical side of, 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 of writing and story to the metaphysical side of where the hell does this stuff come from and how do we channel this? And, and really every aspect of writing for comics, we touch on writing for animation, but it's really about writing story, period. Because as, as I was just saying, it doesn't matter whether it's in a comic book or not. Once we get into the nuts and bolts of, you know, what makes a good plot, what makes good character, what makes good dialogue, all those things, that applies anywhere. So, and what I enjoy about it is I tend to keep the classes small. It's usually at most 10 people. Okay. It's a whole weekend. We're locked away in a room together. I let them out. But, <laughs> but for, the time, for the time we're doing the course, we're locked away in a room sure. together. So it's very intimate and it's a lot of fun. And I have seen time and again that just the nicest bunch of people show up. And I have had people show up from Mexico, Australia, Puerto Rico. Wow. I mean, and it always surprises me, you know. I'm always like, no one's going to come from like 10 minutes away, let alone from another country. And then someone yeah. shows up, oh, you came all this way. And then I feel like I really better be good. You know, <laughs> This guy just came from Australia. I better really give him his money's worth. Yeah. But it's really, really fun. And what I realized a few years ago is, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I have a lot of knowledge locked away in my head. But when yeah. you're doing it, you're not aware of it as knowledge. It's all intuitive. Right. So the, the fun and the challenge of doing the class is, is that you have to now express these things that you do intuitively. So as I'm expressing it, I'm learning about my own process. And then yeah. people ask questions, which make me, makes me think about the process in a different way. And I have an insight that I never had before. So they're learning, I'm learning, and it's really, um, it's really, really fun. So, you know, once, once this cloud passes, and, and we feel it's safe to, ha to have it happen again. I will resume that. But it's, I think that's going to be a while, given the current situation, which is why I'm thinking about putting them online. And also, the other thing that I do is I work with people one-on-one. -on -one. I have a story consultation uh, uh, side of things. And if you go to my website, jamedmateus.com, you know, there's a page for the workshops. There's a page for the story consultations. So people send me their stuff whether it's their comic book idea or their screenplay or their novel or their short story. And I read it over and I'm, and then we get on Skype and we talk and, and I work with them one-on-one. -on -one. And it's really, it's a very different thing than the class because it's really intimate. It's just me and one other person and we're peeling their story apart. and We're putting it back together again. And, and I hope that I do what the best editors do have done for me, which is to help them not to impose my vision on their story, but to help them see their own story with clearer eyes so they can bring out the best in what they have. 
Yeah. You know, over the years, the best editors I've worked with have been able to do that. They, the worst editors are the ones that come in and want to impose their will on your story mm. and kind of write their story over yours or change your story so much that it becomes their story. Right. Whereas the really great editors are the ones that say, have you looked at that aspect of your story? Because if you bring that out, you have a whole other thing happening here. And, you, and then you begin to see things in your own story. It was your idea, but things that you'd never saw that way. Yeah. And, and that's really the fun of working with people is to just kind of illuminate the work that they have in front of them and help them to really build it out so that it's really, really uh, a, a, beautiful, a beautiful building, that they, a story building that they've, that they've constructed by the time they're done. Right. That's really cool. Uh, and, it's, and it's an incredible, like, I don't know, you'd think as a freelancer, as a writer, uh, you know, working on so many different projects, your time is limited. So to dedicate a portion of that time to <clears throat> helping other people develop their craft is really kind of cool. It's really selfless. Like I kind of dig it. And, well, first of all, it's you, not you, selfless because they are paying. They are so paying, yeah. But if I was but, doing it for free, then you, could, then, you, then you can saint me and build the statue we were talking about. Fair enough. But they are paying for it. But, you know, it's fun for me. And part, of, and part really, truly part of the reason why I'm doing it is to give back. Right. You know, I've, I've often said when I started in the business, I had people like, uh, Paul Levitz and Jack Harris and Lynn Ween, who, who, you know, who was my mentor of mentors when I started in the business, uh, Jim Shooter at Marvel, who really, guys that really taught me a lot when I yeah. came in and said, you know, saw my raw talent and helped me, uh, helped me learn the skills I needed to translate that raw talent into story. And so I'm just trying to do the same thing that people have, have done for me over the years. Now you talk about being a freelancer. How, <clears throat> because we've because of your 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 long-standing career how long like have you actually been self-employed versus like a like a quote-unquote staff writer like how long have you, you, you could, i don't think i ever you know i i don't think i ever really had a real job <laughs> I, I i was i was, was kind of like getting to that point i feel I like that's joke, the way you know, i just joke that you know before i was before i transitioned into full-time writing i was a musician i was playing in bands you know so i was never practicality was never my strong suit <laughs> that it paid off is a miraculous thing you know yeah um you know, uh, so I never really worked. I would get, I've, I've done temp jobs, you know, back in the early days, I would, you know, get find some job in the Times and go work for two weeks and make some sure. money. And I always hated it yeah. because, you know, I just couldn't bear being in somebody's office doing something that I didn't want to do because I wanted to make music and I wanted to write stories. And that's just who I am. Yeah. And, I, and I only, I always say it and only half jokingly, God didn't make me very good at anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that's the reason why I succeeded because I knew the alternative was it's not nothing. very good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, I don't know, you know, living in a box, suicide. I don't know what the alternative would have been. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I'm not trying to make light of suicide. No, of course. Um, but you know, it really is truly, those are my passions and I always followed my passions. And this is one of the things we talk about in the workshop is the, is the importance of passion and not just passion, but will right. in succeeding in the creative life. I always say you need to have a really fierce will. You need to be Green Lantern. You yeah. You need to, you need to have a really fierce will and channel your imagination through that will. And because you're going to, you're going to encounter, it's just the nature of the beast you are going to encounter lots of rejection. And the rejection will not end after you're successful. Right. Part of the freelance life is there's always rejection. Yeah. You know, I, I always say people, and I, and I see people's eyes bug out in the workshop when I talk about this. And I say, you only see the successes. 
you don't see the eight other projects I pitched that got bounced or that took 10 years or 15 years or in some cases 20 years before I could sell them. That's yeah. just the nature of the beast and you have to get used to it. You need, obviously, you need a fierce will and a hard head. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, I, I think a little, I found that uh, a, healthy, a healthy amount of delusion, like the belief that you will succeed, but not to the point where it's a detriment to your well-being. Right. Not in the sense of like egotism. Right. Right. Not in the sense of the like, hello world. Here I am. I'm great. You're welcome. Yeah. No, but you have to really believe you do. And I, that's, that's one thing I've always had. I always had that belief. Yeah. Uh, this is what I want to do. And somehow I'm going to do it. Um, and you have to have that. And I don't, I don't think it's delusion. Mm. Now, the rest of the world thinks it's delusion. That's the thing. Your parents might think it's delusion. Your Absolutely. friends might think it's delusion. And that's the thing about, you know, working in the arts. Yeah. The, 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 the thing you're going to hear over and over again is like, it's not practical. Right. It's not practical. You want to be a writer? You want to be a musician? You want to be an actor? Are you crazy? Do you know how many people don't make it? Do you know the rejection that you go through? Well, if every, every person took that advice, then there would be no writers or actors or musicians or anything. <laughs> but, um, but that's, you know, and I've always said, if, you know, if, if, if I was practical, I wouldn't be doing this. You know, no. practicality, at least through the, uh, the world's view of practicality, yes. is something, as a quality I've never had. <laughs> and maybe in other arenas of my life I could have used it a little bit more but um but you have to throw that stuff to the wind and you have to believe with every fiber of your being and you have to have that will so that when that door slams in your face even for the eighth or tenth time yeah I always say go under your desk bang your head against the wall cry whatever you have to do <laughs> and sometimes I, I probably literally done all those things sure in, in, in the scope of my career and then you take a deep breath and you come back out and you write the next story or you send that story out for the 15th time. And, you know, I talk about the fact that some of these stories really did. They took years to sell. Um, I, I, one of my favorite examples is a story called The Life and Times of Savior 28 that I did for IDW about 10 years ago. It started as a Captain America idea that I had. That, that um, well, it's a very long story, but basically <laughs> I was about to do the idea. Uh, Marvel said, no, you can't do that. But I loved the idea and I nursed it and I played with it and I changed it into my own character in my own universe. And then I'd pitch it and it would get rejected and I'd put it away for a few years and then I'd work on it some more and I'd pitch it and they just wouldn't get it. Yeah. So I was working on Captain America in the early 80s. That's right. But now we're in like 2008. <laughs> right? And you're and still I, like and plug I'm it away. this thing off every five years or whatever it is. And my buddy, Mike Cavallaro, sends me some art one day. And, I went, and he, he was like, he was in a real Kirby phase. So he was like being very inspired by Kirby. I went, okay. I went, this art would be just so great for this story I have. And I sent him the story. And he went, oh, I want to do this with you. And so that day, I dusted off the, uh, the, the outline. And I probably fine-tuned it. I sent it off to Chris Ryle at IDW. Yes. And this has never happened to me before. The day that I sent it off, he called me back and said, we're doing this. Nice. So it took 25 years to get an instant acceptance. You're right. And, <laughs> and how many of those do you get where you, right, where you pitch right. a book and you get the right. reaction to the, the, right, the, the right. same day? And, you know, and, and by the same token, sometimes ideas come along and you pitch it and you sell it right away. But I'm just saying you just never know. And yeah. so you, you, need, you need a certain kind of nervous system to do this. And there yeah. have been times over the years where I've said, turned to my wife and I said, how have I done this so long? <laughs> Why have I not had a complete mental breakdown? But yeah. it's because I love it. 
It's because right. I love it. And even on the worst days, there is so much that comes back to me that I am grateful for uh, and that I love about what I do that there, there was a period, I don't know, maybe it's 15 years ago or 20 years ago where I was really questioning whether I should continue to do this. Hmm. I just thought maybe it's time to let this go and do something else. And I fantasize about what other career would it be or whatever it was. And, yeah. and I really had to, you know, we get, we get sort of merged. Our identity becomes merged with what we do. Yes. I am a writer. You know, I am a musician. I am a, and so I had to like really surrender my writer self to the universe and let go of it in a way I had never let go of it before. And it was really scary. Yeah. And, but what came back to me was, sorry, you're a writer. <laughs> because even if you weren't being paid for this, you'd be laying on the floor somewhere, staring into space, making up stories in your head. Yeah. So you might as well get paid for it. You're a writer. There's no way around it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, my question is about Life and Time to Save 28. Would it have been as good if you, had been, if, you have, if you had been greenlit 25 years ago? I've thought about that question. And in some ways, well, my skill set, in As 2008 was way beyond what it was in 1983. Right. It just was. Not, you know, I'm very happy that my Captain America run is so well respected. It is. But, you know, a couple of decades go by, you hope that you learn and you grow as a writer and you just keep getting better. Exactly. Um, so there's that. The flip side is, I think, had they allowed me to do, there would there was been nothing like that story in mainstream comics back then. I mean, mm -hmm. it was really dismantling. It was, it was superhero deconstruction before there was such a thing as superhero deconstruction. Um, it was a very different, and, and for its, especially if we would have done it then, it would have been a very radical story that I think would have gotten a lot of attention. Yeah. At the too. same time, I'm really glad I got to do it with my own universe and my own characters. So you didn't have to worry about someone else walking in the room and going, you can't do can't that, use that, that guy. character. Yeah. You know? so, um, so I think somewhere in some other universe, that story was done in 1983 for Captain America, and I hope it's a much beloved story in that other universe. <laughs> but in this universe, I'm very happy that we did it at Savior 28, and I did it with Mike, who's one of my all-time favorite collaborators. Yeah. Just um, for a plug, Mike and I just uh, last year for IDW did a project called Impossible Incorporated. The collected edition is out now, and it's another project that I really, really love. It's, it's sort of a, a, a tribute to the sort of classic Fantastic Four uh, almost Doctor Who kind of cosmic adventure. Okay. Kind of stories that I love. And we had so much fun with it. And uh, if, you, if you're a fan of that kind of story, and you know, to go back to that kind of Silver Agey kind of story, but put, recast it in a contemporary mode. Right. So it gets to be cosmic. It gets to be metaphysical. Uh, the main character is the 17-year-old girl genius whose father, who's sort of the Reed Richards character, uh, has disappeared, disappeared like 10 years before. So she's having these cosmic adventures while searching for her dad. And it's a really fun series. And Mike just topped himself with this one. Just some great, great artwork. End of plug. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit about adaptations. My question is, obviously, I know you have a list in your head. But like, among the work that you have produced, which are you waiting for the adaptations to come? That's a good question. Because I know there's, a, we've heard a number. I know that like the, the, the new Spider-Man series, everyone, I, I've heard nonstop Craven's Last Hunt as a pitch for three. And I'm like, you start with the last one? I don't know, but. Right, yeah, I mean, my, my, I was talking to somebody and they had a great idea. Their idea was you get Sam Raimi, 
Yeah. You get Tobey Maguire and you play it as the older, you know, Kirsten Dunst, the whole thing. Yeah. And you play it as that Spider-Man, right. the older Spider-Man. And you do it as a standalone film, just the way they did the Joker. Yep. It's Craven's Last Hunt on its own with an older Spider-Man. Because you can't do it now with, with, with the He's current. He's too young. Continuum. He's yeah. way too young. It would have no impact. Wait. That's right. It's way too young to get married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's intrinsically connected, right? I mean, the whole story is about like, well, you know, we don't need to get into that. But like the yeah. fact is, it's it. You need it to be, you know, it, it, people to point at it as like a self-contained kind of like OGN nowadays. Right. But it is intrinsically connected to the saga of this character at this one stage in his life. You can't right. just like read it in a vacuum. Right. 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 And certainly, you know, you need a more mature Spider-Man. You need a guy who's in his early to mid twenties. Yeah. Um, preferably mid twenties, really. And you know, yeah. Toby Toby Maguire can fake that. I think so. <laughs> he's been he's been faking being 10, 20 years younger for right. That's right. Career. That's right. You know. Um, uh, anyway, so what would I like to see adapted? Yeah. Um, where we get? What do we? Or yeah. my, my my creator own stuff for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think um, you know, and I have I have uh, you know representation in LA who are out there pitching this stuff all the time. But I would Good. love to see Moonshadow as oh, a yeah. movie. Moonshadow, uh, and now you know, finally the technology sort of caught up with the story, so they could actually do it. Yeah, it would look um, good. You know, 20 years ago, you couldn't have done Moonshadow without it looking a little weird. Unless, you know, Terry Gilliam probably could have pulled it off because he's oh. got such a great visual imagination. Yeah. I used to think, Terry Gilliam doing Moonshadow, that would just have been, oh my God, I can't yeah. imagine. Uh, so Moonshadow, I would love to see. Um, Save Your 28. Right. Um, I know there are folks at IDW that really would, would like to see this developed as a film or a TV series, which I think uh, after seeing the brilliant job that they did with Watchmen. Yep. Um, I think Savior 28 would be, would be great. Um, yeah. Or even the adaptation of The Boys. I mean, you, you see oh, how yeah. successful The Boys became. Yes, yes. You did a great job with that. Yeah. Really great job with that. I kind of prefer um, it personally. Interesting. You know, I went into Watchmen. <laughs> it's funny because it's like, when I heard about Watchmen, I was like, what is it? It's not even Watchmen. That's exactly Something what my response else. was. Yeah. And then my, my wife watched, I said, I don't want to watch it. My wife watched it without me. She said, you should watch this. This is right. really good. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally watched it. And I have to say, they did a brilliant job with it. Yeah. Um, a really brilliant job with it. It's amazing. So, so what else? Um, God, there's so much. Really, yeah, you know, right? my, my creator owns Girl in the Bay, the book I did last year for... Oh, uh, yeah. For Karen Berger would make a great film or a TV series. Yep. And then the, the kid-friendly stuff that I've done, Stardust Kid that I did with Mike Plug and Abadaza that we did for Disney um, would be yeah. a great, great film. Um, lots of those things. And, it, you know, in terms of the, the Marvel DC stuff, why no one has done JLI is, is beyond me. We're, well, come on. It's just beyond me. By now, they, you know, at least as an animated feature. That's right. You know, it, it would be great. You know, and so you don't want to call them Justice League. We called them the Super Buddies when we came back to them. But, yeah. So call That's them right. the Super Buddies. It's the same, it's the same thing. And, and to be honest, you know, a lot of those movies, a lot of those Marvel movies really have the flavor of our Justice League anyway. So you've yeah. got the action adventure. You've got the humor. You've got these great characters. Um, right. You know, I, 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 when we were working on Batman Brave and the Bold back in the day, there was talk at the end of Brave and the Bold that they were going to transition to a JLI series. Oh. And it came pretty close, I guess, but it's sort of like that came close, but didn't happen. Not here, um, so yeah. Right. So again, in this parallel universe, somewhere there's a JLI animated series that I got to write for. Ugh. But I would love to I would love to see JLI. It would be it would be great. And even, you know, talking about animation, I think I've said before that Craven, if they can't do a live action, do what DC does with these movies. Do a great 
you know, animated Craven's Last Hunt. Yeah. And, and uh, so wait, I'm asking DC for a, a DC Universe, right? Subscription. Yep. Right. And Marvel, I will write the Craven's Last Hunt animated film. Oh, I'm ready. Come on. That's something that Marvel is sorely behind on DC with where DC yes. is like, let's make you know adaptation after adaptation plus original feature after original feature yeah, all yeah. within their own animated universe yeah. you talk about a company that's the leading animation studio in america and you you leave out disney because they're just not doing it and you're like what kind of world are we living in here like how come yeah. there aren't like just just cranking out like yeah take these classic marvel stories and yeah. and and do animated adaptations you know they they certainly they do a lot of animation in fact i have an episode of uh spider-man coming up next yes, month yes you do hey uh, plug that this is my third episode for this iteration of spider-man um but yeah i would love to see them do that what craven's last time does because i always say the other problem is when you have uh, your lead character buried alive for a third of the story right and you're paying your lead actor $25 million or whatever it is. <laughs> He's going to be really pissed. Wait, I'm what? Yeah, yeah. They don't like to wear the mask as it is. And you're right, right. You know, I always say you watch those first three Raimi movies, and in each movie there's less mask. <laughs> you, well, as his, yeah, as his agent starts getting more and more control. Right, right. Yeah. Bang! Oh, half my mask came off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Well, I'm no, no, no help right. with it now. Take it right, off. Right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I have to say I love those movies. So. There, I... I yeah, there's there's strength I think to almost all of them. Like I love in, in terms of like every iteration, you know. Like, yes, I, yes, I, yes. I really like what Garfield does. I don't know if I like the stories necessarily, but I like what right. But the, but but he was a, he was a, a good Spider-Man. Yeah, uh, Emma Stone was great. I loved so her. They, I, you know, they, yeah. they all have something to recommend them. That's right. My favorites remain the the, the first two Raimi movies, though I have to say they're my absolute favorites, especially the second one. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I saw it, happened to see it. I hadn't seen it in years. And I know what happened. Our Wi-Fi went out, I think is what it was. <laughs> so I said, oh, what should I want? We dug out the DVD and popped it in. And it really holds up. It's yeah. a really good movie. Really yeah. good movie. Yeah. I, I, I fell in love with Otto. I mean, Alfred Molina is yeah. just incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm so happy for him too because his, his, his stock kind of went up recently. Like he's, I see him all over the place. It's yeah, he's a like, wonderful actor. It's an incredible actor, yeah. But uh, yeah, man. So um, in terms of the future, it's I love seeing your name crop up uh, constantly. Like every time I see one of these movies or I see a new book that's coming out from you, original creator own work, uh, it's just exciting and incredible. And you know it's going to be a good ride because it's always because your approach is never like how can we get the biggest explosion for our, do for our dollar? It's always like, well, the explosion is going to happen in the, in the character's soul. Like we're going to really blow open who <laughs> they are. That's a great way to put it. I'm going to steal that and use it in my Feel workshop. Feel free. No, no, no. Yeah. Because you're Spider-Man Explosions of the soul. I probably wrote a story with that title, you know? Oh, come on. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing, like uh, explaining books to people that don't normally read them. You know, you, you have the, the story and then you have the individual issues that have their own titles for them. And I remember they, they couldn't wrap their heads. They're like, I thought this whole thing was called Maximum Carnage. I'm like, no, no, no. This chapter is called like the Web of Death. There's, so, you know, it's like right, each, right, and each one right. reflects what this individual story is about. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I'm sure Explosion of the Soul is a, is a story. You know, I've, actually, I think it might have been one of my stories. <laughs> that title sounds so familiar to me. I'm going to have to look through my... Uh, that may have been I Got Incepted. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. But yeah, man. Uh, but I love it because it taught me as a kid the the you know it does those things where you sometimes you have to trick your audience you know you're selling them you know you gotta you gotta trick your kid into eating their vegetables 
Right. And with, with, with your particular work, it's like, you know, you get the fun superhero stuff. You're not going to be shortchanged. You're going to get maybe, maybe Spider-Man's in the ground, but it's still Spider-Man in the ground. You're going to get all the Spider-Man stuff. Plus you got at least one person running around as Spider-Man. You get all that art, Mm -hmm. but you also have the depth and the, the gravity of its impact. And you, you never kind of shy away from it. In fact, you shine the light on it. I just recently reread soul of the hunter and whew, <laughs> uh, just for as dark or as uh, deep as Craven goes, Soul of the Hunter, oft not mentioned, and it should be because it's just. Yeah, they just fa- I think it was last year they put out a, a big Craven collection that for the first time had that with Craven's Last Hunt, and I was so yeah. happy because that really is the bookend to that. It is, yeah. And, and as I recall, and I've read this before, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, uh, it was kind of a response to the kind of like misinterpretation of the glorification of suicide yes 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 well the misinterpretation was that they thought it was glorification that's what i'm saying yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah. um tom defalco had got who was editor-in-chief at the time had gotten some letter from some suicide prevention group where they thought we were glorifying suicide and i was horrified that's yeah that's not what the story is not a takeaway craven's last words are they said my mother was insane you know spoilers (laughs) (laughs) spoilers <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I honestly i felt terrible and I, I said well i need to do a story that addresses this but you know it's, it's kind of what you're saying you know that's the motivation but then i write from the inside out even if i have like an idea that's just it's a cool concept the cool concept doesn't matter unless you have the characters to ground them in that's right so what you know what does this mean for peter who's just been through this who was buried alive who lost his, you know, lost a whole chunk of his life there. Yeah. Um, who also is the most responsible human and guilt-riddled human on the planet. Yep. And who who's thinking, what could I have done to stop this man from killing himself? I mean, there's so many levels and layers there to Peter's psychology. Yeah. So it was a great door into that story. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I know, I think when it came out, people were like, ooh, a sequel to Craven's Last Time. And so they were expecting the same thing. Right. And you don't want to write a sequel that's the same thing. You want to write a sequel that's something different. We did the same thing with Moonshadow. Ten years after we did Moonshadow, we did Farewell Moonshadow. Right. And the only reason we did it was we said we want to tell it to be a very different story, even in the way that we tell it, which is why we did like a page of prose, a page of illustration, a page of prose, a page of illustration. Yeah. Um, so you want a, you know, you don't want to repeat it or else why do it? Just leave, then just leave the original story alone. Exactly. Um, so I, I'm glad that it holds up and that you, you found it valuable. Oh, thank you. Um, there are collections of yours that are lacking. Let's signal boost them. Uh, where are, where is your Bushema spectacular run in collection? This is the great mystery of life for me. The great, not the great mystery of life, but certainly the great mystery of comic book of life. <laughs> the great mystery of comic book life, you know? Yeah. Um, because I don't understand why that's never been, it's been collected in other countries. I was in it's Italy. in Italian. I was, I was like, in Italy last year and I go to here, look at this, look what we just did, you know? Um, I was, they just did one in South America. I think it was in Brazil. Um, and, you know, random stories have been in collections, mm-hmm. but the whole run, which is one of my favorite things I've ever done in the world of superheroes with yep. one of the, the greatest collaborators I've ever had, one of the most underrated, brilliant artists in the world, Sal Buscema. Yeah. Um, it's never been collected. And I know there are a lot of people out there that really, really, really care about that run and it means something to them. And, um, and I just, I have no clue why know. it's never been collected. And, you know, I'm like everybody else, you know, they, they released the, uh, 
uh, the information every month about what's coming out. I don't know. Half the time when they collect my stuff, I don't know beforehand. Sure. I'm just reading it like everybody. Oh, look what's coming out. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and sometimes I see some collection of something that I'm like, why did they collect that? Yes. What? You know? Come on. Yeah. I, mean, I wanted people to forget that story. You know? um, <laughs> then I'm waiting every month. It's like, well, where's, where's, where's Spectacular Spider-Man? Where's yeah. the child? Or at least The Child Within, that seven-issue uh, arc. Yeah. But the whole two years with the Harry Osborn arc, you know? Yeah. I would love to just see that whole thing collected. So, um, so do I have to talk to the camera again? So yeah. So Marvel, really, it's way past time for that collection. So... I'll write you a new, a new introduction, the whole thing. Oh. Let's get it done. You know, those omnibuses are pretty popular nowadays. You can get a whole big yeah, old, you know, you get, you get a, get a hundred bucks out of that thing. Come on. Yeah. What was, we, we worked on that book, I guess for like, well, if you include Maximum Carnage, it was like over two years. Yeah. 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 And those, but just those the Harry Osborne thing alone was, I think, two That's years. That's what I'm and saying. Was, That's yeah. two years worth of stories. They yeah. did the whole clone saga. So, you know. I know. I know. I've got these giant, <laughs> What's the plural? Is it omnibuses or omnibuses? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I would I say buses. Omnibuses, yeah. I, think I like, right. but you know, even I like omnibuses. It it's just good. fun. Well, the, yeah, who doesn't yeah. like to say octopi? Who doesn't right, love right, to exactly. pluralize that? Yeah. But I think it is omnibuses. But I've got all these, right, all these clone saga omnibuses on yeah. my shelf behind me. And, uh, you know, they, they did these, the JLI one. Yeah. Which is massive, just massive. So, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, collect, just, just collect the damn thing for God's sake. Yeah, you're a book publisher. Make these things. That's right. That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, man, uh, I will ask one more question and then I will let you get back to work uh, because I know you are because, you know, you're busy all the time. What uh, is there? If there's a character out there that they haven't given you a crack at, who is it and why? You're like, come on, I would love to do this character. Like, even if you don't even have a story, just like, you know, I've never written for. I want to do that. Something like that. Good question. Um, You know, the. I've gotten, I've been able to write most of these characters. There are some True. characters I'd like to revisit, mm. uh, like Doctor Strange, um, Silver Surfer. Um, you know, especially at DC, I've had, between the animation and the comics, I've had a shot at almost every character in some form. Yeah, you had Justice League Dark, you got to crack on everybody. All right, and then, you know, I love, I would say, I love the DC Supernatural characters in Justice League, you know, I was writing Phantom Stranger and Justice League Dark at the same time, so yeah. I was just... And I would go back to, to, to that corner of the DC universe anytime. But the answer that I always come back with, and, and if you ask Keith or Kevin, they'll probably give you the same answer. Certainly Keith will. I want to work with those two guys and I want to do the Fantastic Four. Oh. You know, I'm not trying to take work away from anyone else. We can do, we'll do a miniseries, you know. <laughs> Just, you know, give us six issues, set it in the 60s and let us have fun with it. And I think it, that would be... That's, 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 I think, the one, maybe one of the few unrealized comic book dreams in terms of pre-existing characters. Yeah. And to do it with those guys, it would just be great. It would be just be great. I think so, too. JN, thank you so much. Uh, where can everybody find you and, uh, and, 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 and get more of your work? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter, uh, which uh, it's all just James, at JNBMateus. Same thing on Facebook. And my website, jmdmateus.com, where you can also get information about the workshops and the story consultation. So that pretty much covers it. I think so. Yeah. But, uh, thank you so much for being here. And pleasure we'll to talk to you as always. My pleasure. Uh, the pleasure is all mine. And we'll see you guys next week with an all-new episode. See you guys then. So long. Stay safe and healthy. Yeah. Yeah.